Welcome to Reality Bites. This is Desley Casey, your host. And today I have uh, Fiona Phillips, the Labor MP for Gilmore, with me. And Fiona is a federal member, as I said, for Gilmore. She was born and raised on the New South Wales South Coast and has a degree in economics and a Master of Business. Fiona has a long career working in education, skills and training. Fiona's first involvement in politics was during 2009 when she stepped up to lead the difficult but successful campaign to save Nara's community pool. The campaign showed Fiona how important it is to work hard to make a difference in our community, something Fiona is passionate about. Welcome, Fiona. Oh, thank you. It's lovely to be here. Okay, so as the Federal Labor MP for Gilmore, what is your thinking and also Labor's stance on the job seeker benefit now that the $50 per fortnight raise in the base rate has been implemented? Yeah, look, well, there's a, a number of things I'd like to say here. And uh, primarily that, you know, people, it's just been such a hard time for everyone. And I think if you look back at the past 18 months uh, or so, like people have gone through so much. So we've obviously had, well, right when I actually entered parliament, we were going through one of the worst uh, droughts that we'd seen. Uh, and, and even as a candidate then, I was driving around in my car and talking to different people and it didn't impact just farmers, it impacted workers and people were being being put off work. That really, I don't know, that really upset me. I was really, really upset about that. And it was really frustrating that I guess at that time as a candidate, it was difficult to do anything. So that, that, that made a big impact on me. And then of course I was elected and then not long after the bushfires hit and obviously the impact on the community and, and on people, um, obviously on people's homes, their business, businesses, their livelihoods, um, their jobs. And, you know, I had people contact me and, you know, I've had cleaners contact me not wanting to give their name, but they're just too embarrassed to even go and ask for assistance for food and things like that. So a lot of these, these things have really impacted so many people and it's continued. We, we, we've got obviously the recovery phase, but I'm still finding people that haven't, whatever reason of their own, that they just haven't been able to get that support. And then of course, you know, you throw in obviously the, the four, uh, four disaster declared floods that we've had within that, again, impacting people. Uh, and then obviously COVID coming in over the top. I mean, that's had the most immense impact on people. And then we've also got this terrible, perfect storm that has happened. and. I call it like a storm, but it's basically got thousands of people displaced in temporary accommodation from the bushfires. We've got all this construction work going on, which we absolutely need as well, but that's impacting housing and a lot of people can't find homes or somewhere to rent. Then, of course, we've got closed international borders with more people coming and holidaying locally, uh, which is is great for spending in our shops, absolutely excellent. But again, it's placing this immense pressure on 
housing. And what I'm finding is people are coming to my office or I'm hearing from people and talking with people that a lot of these people have got incomes and they can't find anywhere to live. So if it's tough for people that have got an income, it, it, it's a crisis. It's an absolute crisis that we have uh, in housing. If it's a crisis there for people that don't have jobs, it's an absolute, it's a travesty uh, what's happened. So I think all of that put together uh, paints a pretty terrible picture. Uh, so when we come back to the question about uh, job seeker, I mean, is it enough? The answer is no, it's not enough. It's never been enough. I think the, the $50 increase, okay, well, I certainly supported that because it's better than not having an increase. And the reality of the fact is that that's all the, the government um, would put forward. Uh, I think the other part of the question, so is it enough? Um, absolutely not. Do we need to do more? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I, I hope that at the next election, you know, Labor forms government. The, the Gilmore electorate that I'm a member of, this was the only electorate that changed hands to Labor at the last election. And I believe in part that's because people know what it's like here. That they know what it's like to have either no income or a very low income, uh, you know, virtually no public transport, depending where you are in the electorate. And again, finding it ever increasingly hard to find somewhere to live. So that's going to put huge pressure uh, on, on job seeker. I mean, I've got to say, it's an interesting thing. And I, I talk to a lot of different people in the electorate from, you know, workers to other people that are, you know, struggling to find work to, you know, small business owners. And, you know, sometimes people and small business owners will say, well, I, I can't find workers. And it's a really interesting one. They, they tend to blame it on job seeker being the supplement and being too high. And I've heard this argument for, for quite some time now. And I, I honestly believe, and, and, and obviously supplement and, and, and also job keeper has ended as well. But I honestly believe that a lot of it has to do with the lack uh, of housing and the lack of public transport as well, because you can't, get a job if you haven't got a roof over your head. You can't get a job if you can't afford to pay for the bus fare, if there is a bus, you'd be lucky if there is a bus, uh, to get to work. And I think these are, are critical things that need to be addressed, obviously in this electorate, but it's the same for every regional electorate uh, around Australia. We have a lot of people um, in this electorate where we have the second highest number of age pensioners in Australia. Highest number of males aged 65 and over um, belong in this, live in this electorate. A beautiful electorate, absolutely stunningly beautiful electorate. But for, I think for job seekers in particular, the struggles that are there because of the lack of public transport and low, low levels of income, obviously through job seeker, make it really hard for people uh, to get to interviews, to get to uh, training to TAFE. I used to be a TAFE teacher working in outreach and helping people that hadn't uh, worked perhaps outside the home before or if they had changed life circumstances. And for me, it was actually one of the reasons why I joined Parliament as well, because I had people crying out to me for help. They said, we're just not getting the help through um, our job uh, network agencies and they were coming to TAFE for help. And 
And I found that really, I had people come to me. I remember one person, a mum, and with two teenage daughters, and her washing machine had broken down. And she could not afford to get her washing machine fixed because she was trying to help her daughter, you know, go to uni as well. I thought, how does that happen in a society where someone can't afford to have their washing machine fixed? And that was a choice that she was making. But yeah, so when you ask me whether job seeker is too low, it's, it's, it's definitely too low. It's a difficult one. Like, obviously, we want to win government, but I don't think there's any uh, doubt within Labor that um, job seeker is too low. And... Um, across the board, pensions, things like age, the age pension, the disability support pension, the carer pension. Things are out of whack. There's no doubt about that. Yes, and I think you're quite right, Fiona, in saying it's definitely out of whack. And I was mm. looking up some stats and I managed to get stats for the electorate, or well, actually for the Shoalhaven area, in December... 20, 2020, there were 5,766 job seekers. In March 2021, there was 5,249. So basically, there's only a 519 difference of people who, according to the Centrelink system, dropped off the Centrelink system. Now, that really only averages about 150 dollars considering, as you said, all the different natural disasters we've had and the, the accommodation situation, it really only averages out to about 150 successful jobs for a month or the three-month period. And, and then I also looked at the national figures and between age pensioners, and job seekers only, this is not disability pension, but just the age pension, there's 3,905,670 3, people receiving those two benefits. That's kind of like money for jam, yet when I looked at the Labor policy platform in regards to what they'll be taking to the next election, Age pensioners and job seekers, not to mention the cashless card, didn't rate a mention. Yet, in one sense, if Labor came out with some sort of policy directive a little bit more stronger, they may pick up an extra uh, nearly 4 million votes just across those two sectors. And... It's kind of like we hear Labor want to, and I hear you when you say you, and believe you that you do really want the job seeker rate to increase. But like a lot of us said, Labor's got to put some action behind the words as well uh, before the next election so that people really know that there is a point of difference between the LNP and Labor. And mm. my, my personal belief is, is that job creation is an important component, and we'll get to that soon, a question to that. But 
unless we actually have people survive and hopefully even thrive on a social security system, they're not going to be able to take up those jobs because they don't, as you say, in our area, you've got to have a car. They don't pay for petrol to go to job interviews or job search providers. There's, there seems to be such a big gaping hole in this safety net. Would that be a fair mm. comment? Well, I think, look, just going back to one of the, one of the earlier points you made about um, the number of jobs, uh, job ads and things like that, and it's a really, um, again, it's an interesting mix because, you know, there's a lot of people that are saying to me, well, you know, we, we can't find enough hospitality workers, we can't find enough, I don't know, farm hands. And I understand that, like there's there's issues there. But a lot of the time, if if you've got particularly, for example, elderly people, but, you know, that might not necessarily be an appropriate, you know, circumstances. So I think, I think it's a falsehood for anyone to assume that just because there's shortages there, that there's shortages elsewhere. And again, I think it's, it's a real struggle for people, again, they haven't got public transport or, have, or if they have low income levels, uh, to be able to uh, even get to some of those job interviews if, if, if they wanted to and could as well. You know, I think there's a number of things, and look, you're absolutely right um, about policy. We have to labour, and, and we will absolutely, before the next election, um, come out with clear policies uh, around a whole range of portfolio areas. We've, we've already started to do that, certainly around um, of our things around the the manufacturing uh, fund um, that's built, um, been announced, and that's to try and you know grow manufacturing jobs in regions. Um, there's been some really good announcements around growing uh, renewables jobs, around uh, community so uh, community batteries, and that's aimed at obviously trying to help people, particularly that are renting as well, can tap into that to help reduce their uh, energy bills, but at the same time can, uh, you know, help create more jobs and help in regional areas as well. So there's a whole, a whole range of things that have been announced, but it, it's a typical, you know, sort of strategy that you know, there's no way that all those policies are going to be announced at once. And, and, and we will always look at things that need being done. And I'm in very close contact with the Shadow Minister, Linda Burney. She's under no doubt, you know, about the importance of this issue uh, in this electorate. She's quite a, you know, a bit common visitor to this electorate as well. And she knows how important it is that we uh, look after people uh, in this electorate. And I consider people on JobKeeper, JobSeeker, um, the pension, the disability pension, the care benefit, any any type of benefit, uh, we need to make sure that people are looked after. So, yeah, so definitely, uh, yeah, I guess my message would be that, you know, we, we, we will always look after people much better than a coalition government would. There is no doubt about that. But uh, we will you know, take some time to make sure we get it right as well. And also, how should um, successive governments, whether it's Labor or LNP or Greens or whatever the mix is down in the future, ensure the relevant rises to the base rate or it's the age pension, which is attached to the CPI, but the base mm. rate of job seeker 
are effectively maintained? Mm. Yeah, look, it's a great question. And um, I know before the last election, so back, back before 2019, um, we had a policy then of basically having a look at how all the sort of payments work together and to, and, and, and I think you need to look at it holistically. It's, a government needs to look at it, at it holistically as well because, you know, there can be cases obviously where, you know, the payment is just not enough and it needs to increase more for that particular payment. Um, but the other one might need to increase, but maybe uh, not as much. And, and again, like even things like, you know, we have the CPI increases, but is that the best way to do it? So I think, you know, you're right, we do need to have a look at that. So as a, again, we, we haven't released our policy yet, but we're certainly aware that the pension and, and a lot of those payments are not enough, but we have to, we, we also have to be responsible and sensible enough as well and do the right thing. So yeah, look, I think just watch this space on that. I mean, Labor is the party where we, we are concerned about people. We, we want to help people but we need to get it right as well. Yes, I, I do understand. And we've talked a bit about jobs creation, particularly in the areas and tourism mm. and, and your ideas and thoughts about the tension between there's jobs mm. and there's not, you know, but there's no workers and, and you've got job seekers. In, in many respects, it appears to me that the LNP last year basically did a, a complete divide and conquer, if, a, if I could call it that. They increased the job seeker rate and then and they also brought in JobKeeper. So then they, that basically set JobKeeper people who are supposed to be more deserving than job seekers who may have been in the system for a while, uh, basically pitted them against each other. Then they only gave the the pensioners, including the disability support pensioners, two by two fifty dollar one-off payments. So then that pitted the age pensioners and the disability support pensioners against job seekers and people on job keeper. It was a classic divide, if I would suggest, it was a classic divide and conquer. Because whilst you've got the internal groups fighting against each other, there's not a collective voice to be able to say this is not, this is unreasonable. Now we've got job, as you said earlier, JobKeeper has actually finished. So too the moratorium. So the, uh, you know, banking moratoriums and mortgage and home rental accommodation moratoriums, etc. To my understanding. <laughs> So we're going to have a lot of very stressed out new job seekers who are not going to be able to make ends meet. Mm. Oh, yeah, look, that's a massive issue and really one that I've been very vocal on in the parliament and in the media about the ending of JobKeeper uh, and the implications for people locally. And I've, uh, you know, one particular industry area is travel agents. Yes. Uh, and, and typically, a lot of the, I guess, the travel agent industry, a lot of our casual workers and things are, uh, there's more women uh, than men. So a lot of these, this change impacts women 
more proportionately than men. And I just think it's just absolutely terrible uh, what the government's done there. But one of the things I just wanted to mention was um, I, I sit in Parliament in question time and I, I listen and I think that the Treasurer was talking about the, the statistics of a number of the statistics of um, the percentage of people that have graduated off JobKeeper, I can't remember the exact percentage, but it was about 78%. But I was waiting for him to say something about the other percent. Yeah. That yeah. actually, you know, they're the travel agents, they're the independent cinemas, they're the, they're, the, they're the businesses and workers that have been hit by the bushfires, they've been hit again by everything else, They've still got the international borders closed and they're impacted, but they don't, they never have ever said anything about those people. And that I could not comprehend that because it was like, they did not care. It was like, they talked about the 78% that, you know, didn't care about the other. And those people are people that would go on to exactly like you say, onto job seeker. And I mean, if you look at the figures across the electorate, the amount of people on Job Seeker that had increased after uh, COVID, bushfires and COVID in the electorate, it's gone up astronomically. And that was even, that, that's not even now, like since we've had the end of JobKeeper, that's obviously going to continue to go up. The amount of people that I've seen where they've, you know, sold their business after the end of JobKeeper, they've closed their business, or the other one that I think is really interesting where people have actually, in a way, put their business on life support. And by that, I mean, they leave the phone on, they're no longer in the, the, the premise, the business premise, but they've left it sort of going. Uh, they laid off their staff because JobKeeper's ended. So the staff are on JobSeeker and they're just hoping that the international borders will open. But then, of course, then we've got the vaccination issue that, you know, not as many people have been vaccinated, but the international borders are still closed. So we've got this wicked potion where we've got more people on JobSeeker. And it, I don't mean to sound this in a harsh way, but the people that you, they probably would never have imagined that they were on jobs, would be on JobSeeker. They, it's like, really? Like, you know, got kids, they've got, it's just terrible. It's terrible. And yeah, like it's, um, you know, and like, I'm not saying like, I think what the federal government did, you know, like, I agree, you know, divide and conquer. I mean, I could add another, another group that would add to your list that, that are complaining um, and it's probably not one that you're probably sympathetic with <laughs> but self-funded retirees yes <laughs> so the amount of people that have come to me about well why 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 aren't I getting that why am I getting two seven hundred and fifty dollar payments why am I not getting the the supplement and yeah it's a really difficult one and and it certainly wasn't perfect there's no doubt about that but I think in terms of the divide and conquer, I think one of the other divides and conquers is the, the ending of JobKeeper and pushing people onto JobSeeker. They don't care about those thousands of people in the electorate that are going on to JobSeeker. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Yes, and moving on to, um, and we're still on JobSeekers because... But we're going to move on to the cashless uh, debit card. Mm. Whilst this is actually 
in four, it's been extended in four trial sites across mm. Australia and also going into the Northern Territory. Now, my investigations of this particular debit card, which doesn't act like a normal debit card, contrary mm. to the spin on it, and I, I still don't understand why, why did Labor kind of vote to kind of rubber stamp the government's request to extend the trials for a mm. few years uh, last month. I, I can't, can't work out how anybody, any human being of any political persuasion or belief system could mm. really accept that this cashless debit card supposed income management tool, which is anything, but how they could, how that's okay to inflict on any mm. other human being. Have you got any yeah, thoughts look, on that? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. It's a really, um, well, it's a really horrific and interesting one. And um, I'm, I'm lucky within labor to, um, sit on it, it's a, like within Labor committee and I sit on the social policy uh, committee and I chose to be on that committee because it, it's about, you know, it's about pensions and job seeker and basically, you know, health and which I think are really important issues, obviously, for my electorate. That's why I chose to be on it. So I've been really, really lucky. Um, I mean, obviously, we don't have the cashless here, but I've been lucky to have Linda Burney talk about that and, um, you know, find out what's actually happening. And I've got to say, I've been absolutely horrified at some of the things I've been hearing about cashless debit card. And my understanding is that with the trial sites, Labor originally, um, I guess, you know, thought, okay, well, maybe if a, my understanding is if, if, if a particular community wants, wants to be, uh, part of that, then our original standing was, well, you know, we wouldn't say no to that. So the trial, um, yeah, so look, we had support of that trial, but our position um, now is that we'll actually work to uh, reverse the card in trial sites if we win government. And there's a reason, obviously, you know, during the passage of time, so many terrible things have come out about the cashless debit card. I mean, the number one thing that came out for me to start with, and I remember, I can't remember what exactly what it was, but I think it was some uh, examples or evidence in New Zealand. Um, and there was, I think, I think it was New Zealand, and they were talking something, they were like, well, there was no evidence to show that it actually worked. Like there was no, like, and I'm like, well, if something, and I think I was there and they, they threw it out or whatever, but if something doesn't work, well, what's the point of doing it in the first place? And then obviously there's the, then there's, then there's obviously the points about it being punitive and just being, you know, a card that stops people from purchasing items uh, in certain stores or they have to purchase it from, you know, the bigger stores or whatever. And like, what about the person that wants to, I don't know, go to the farmer's market, you know, and save and um, perhaps buy things a bit cheaper. Like, isn't that a good thing that we should be encouraging uh, to buy people to buy locally to, um, it just doesn't make sense on so many levels. I mean, they were the things that really stood out for me. 
bearing in mind that we don't have it in our area, but obviously it's of interest because the government, you know, they were looking at putting it out um, for pensioners as well and extending it. And like, imagine that, like, it's just terrible. So look, I am pleased Labor's come out pretty strongly and saying that we'll reverse um, the trial sites in government. So I think that's, that's a good move. Yeah, look, it's, yeah, I, I would hate to see ever um, a system like that rolled out. It's, it's just punitive. It's, I, I regard it as inhumane. Absolutely. And government do want to roll it out nationally and as you say also include AIDS pensioners mm. uh, in this and it's actually in the legislation AIDS pensioners are mentioned in that particular legislation which is and which means it could come to the Shoalhaven area now mm. I would lose my home I live in a caravan park that's not the dumb thing for the casual stepper not to mention Indu refusing to pay people's rents on time. I listened to a story of a live stream only two nights ago where a young lady who lived in the Hinkler region and was on the card, she lost her home in the Hinkler region because Indu wouldn't pay the rent on time and also wouldn't pay cash rent. So she was, she basically lost it. And she was eight months pregnant at the time. She um, shifted to the Southern South Victoria. The cashless debit card followed her. She, just because she left the trial area doesn't mean she was automatically taken off the gunk. She, has since had a baby, her baby is 10 months in nine days now. It was 11 days at the time. She was due to face homelessness again because, again, yeah. Indu were refusing to pay the rent. They've got this weird American system that the rent goes back to zero every 28 days. And <laughs> they're even in breach. But not only that, the human rights insurance that Australia is a signatory to, it's even my just casual reading of different human rights instruments, they've got to be breaching the human rights instruments. Like you shouldn't be discriminating against for any reason, but they're discriminating against a specific Australian population group. Mm. And groups, you know, not only Indigenous and that, but they're actually set discriminating against, uh, they're discriminating against uh, Centrelink recipients as opposed to the general population. And we have a right to be treated by law in the same way as everyone else. Everyone has protection against the human rights, Article 2 of the Universal De Declaration of Human Rights. So how do they just keep getting away with this and extending, like, when does it not become a trial? It's five, six years. Well, I think it comes down to just completely different uh, ideologies and without getting political, really, you've got obviously got different parties with different uh, viewpoints. And I could not comprehend a system that does that to people. Like, you, like you're saying, I mean, the system doesn't work. Like, the, like in the example that you gave, I mean, how could you 
argue for a system like that, that, that does that to people, that does that to someone and many people. And the reality is it's, it's a terrible system. And I think, in my view, you know, that ide ideology there of um, gov government and I will say the coalition, it is about looking after the more wealthy people uh, and pushing down uh, people that have lower incomes. And that's the reality. And it, it, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, I wouldn't say a brainwashing, but a, but that's like, they, they don't accept anything else. And it's a bit like the job keeper, the stats. I'm like, well, what about, what about, you know, these people? And they don't, they don't care because that's not part of their ideology. They've done what they had to do in putting, you know, these measures in place, but they don't care about the others. And I think, you know, as a society, when we fail to care about, our most vulnerable people or think about what the impact of a policy will have on people i think that's a very sad indictment uh on on government and society that's just my viewpoint i mean how can they get away with it well they're in government you know you can oppose things you can um, propose amendments you can talk about local stories and the impact but at the end of the day they're in government um, they make those decisions and the only way to change things uh, is to change the government. That is the, that is the power of people uh, and, and that's people's elect, you know, democratic right to be able to cast a vote. So it is a really, really difficult one. Obviously the opposition job is to hold them accountable and, and point things out and we absolutely do that and I do that like all the time. That's most of my day I do that. The reality is, uh, you know, quite a lot of times it's quite sad the government just doesn't listen. Yes, and it's it's very interesting because I uh, was watching Question Time uh, in the afternoons and they just shut down the debate. There's no debate, <laughs> per se, in Question Time. They don't even answer the questions. Uh, they just And if they get sick and tired of somebody asking the same question or a similar question of the same ilk, they then just move to move a motion for the member not to be heard. <laughs> Whatever happened to genuine debate in our parliaments? Oh, look, I, you know, I'm just horrified by the uh, shutting down of debate and it happens all the time. And I think sitting there in the chamber, I, you know, I listened to that and I just, it's it's incomprehensible that that happens and you know especially i mean obviously always but you know we've got really serious topics we should be debating and that the the government should be listening to you know hearing local stories yeah look i've, I've certainly been there a number of times when debate's been shut down and it's really really sad right uh, yes and fiona i want to thank you very much uh, oh, for your time. You. I greatly appreciate it. And so this is Jessica Casey from Reality Bites saying thank you for listening and have a great day.